Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. Society is damaged because of an unbridled envy and jealousy and covetousness that is creating wars among ethnicities, it's creating wars among classes, creating wars among income levels. It, it, it's got to stop. Whether we recognize it or not, you and I are suffering from some of the serious consequences of rampant and widespread envy in our world. At the root of the political, racial, economic, and personal strife all around us is envy. And today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares helps us identify and discern the devastating damage that envy is causing in our society. I'm Dave Drewy. And now here's Pastor Mike with the conclusion of an eye-opening message from our current series on envy called The Relational Damage. Got this down, number two. We need to see the hostilities envy brings. We need to see the hostilities that envy brings. Once you write that down, go with me to James chapter four. I warned you there's plenty of passages here this weekend. James chapter four. James chapter four, verse one, are you there? What causes quarrels? What's the root of it? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Look at that now. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? That's just such a helpful concept right there. It's not just, I really have an anger problem, right? And anger is not a problem, it's a symptom. You understand that? Anger is a symptom of something else. And what we need to find out is why do you have this underlying hostility? Why is it that you were as a non-Christian, always hating and being hated. And now as a Christian, it, you know, we, we've tried to change all that and it, it's different now and I'm on a pathway of sanctification, but it still erupts every now and then. Why is this? Why am I having these conflicts? What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. Which by the way, that's the whole idea of envy. Envy is this thing like, Cain, who hated his brother, and John says, why did he hate his brother? Well, he hated his brother because he saw that there was a deficiency. He had an inferiority complex. Think this through, right? I'm not him. He got accepted. He got favor. What did I, how did I define envy last time? I, I said it was this, this resentment because of comparative blessings or opportunities. There's favor there that he has that I don't have. And God comes on the scene. What does he say to Cain? Just to chill out, man, between you and I. You do well and things will be okay. And he couldn't. He had to keep his brother in view, even though he claimed later, not his brother's keeper. Man, you couldn't get your eye off of your brother. That's what envy is. Nvidia, right? To put my eye on him. You're looking at your brother. You can't get your eyes off. You resent your brother because of an advantage or an opportunity that he has that you don't have. Why, do you, why, why did Cain kill his brother? Well, you got to look past the violence back to the, the, the driving force. And the driving force is, is envy. I resent you because you got something I don't have, something that I want. And I don't like that you have it. Envy is driving the divisions. Envy is driving the gossip. Envy is driving the slander. Envy is causing the friction. Envy is causing your attitude. Envy is causing the look on your face when someone announces that they're having a baby or that they're going to Jamaica for their vacation or whatever, it's driving what you feel because you are envious and you haven't, you haven't cut the roots out. 
Well, the gain in this passage, as we really should have looked at if we had more time in the first point, is contentment. It's contentment. And contentment is what we don't have enough of. And it's not passivity. I all, I want to work hard. I want to be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, to quote 1 Timothy chapter 15, verse 58. I want to do that. But it's with the right motive, which means that I am not someone driven by and fueled by envy. I'm content. I'm content. Can you be content and a godly, ambitious person? Yes. Those are, those are, those, those are harmonious concepts and, and virtues. But I'm never going to be internally content right, if I'm driven by envy. And I'm always going to have relational problems with people because of my envy. Right? Envy is the problem. Contentment, being content with who I am, what I have, where I'm at. Right? That's what we need a whole lot more of. And here's the associated word peace. Right? Peace. It's the, it's the harvest it's, it's, it's sown in peace and it reaps peace and it's about peace. And we don't have it as much as we should, but we are the one organization that has the opportunity and the wherewithal to get it done. And we ought to be salt and light in our, in our society because our society is never going to have that. It's a problem in our society. Number three, Romans chapter one, verse 28. Maybe you know the context of this. Romans chapter one, here's the theme. The theme is, starts, I suppose, early on in this argument after the salutations and setting up the, you know, who the recipients are and who they are and who Paul is. You know, there's a, 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 a righteousness that's revealed and a wrath that's revealed. There's a righteousness that's revealed he's going to unpack that's coming in the book, right? Chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. But there is a wrath that's coming, a justice that's coming. And he's going to unpack that in chapters 2 and 3. And that wrath that is coming starts with the thing, the, the, the truth that God has revealed himself in nature. Going to get into chapter 2. He's revealed himself in conscience. But that wrath is coming upon people that have been so rebellious against God and his, his ways that he has, here's the repeated refrain, turn them over. He's turned them over. He's given them over. Right? He's let them just be. You, you're going to fight me. You can have the fruit of your sin. And so that's what's going on in this chapter. And if you've turned to Romans chapter 1, look at verse 28 and see how this is put. Since they were so stubborn, since they didn't acknowledge God, since they didn't respond to natural theology and to conscience and the things that he's about to unpack in the next chapter, but they didn't do that. Well, then God gave them up. There's another way to put it. Gave them over, gave them up to a debased mind, right? a mind that is just not what it ought to be. It's an unrighteous mind. It's a sinful mind to do what ought not to be done. He's already talked about some of those things, the sexual morality, the perversion, homosexuality, all the things going on in this context. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Right? Look at these words now. Evil, covetousness, malice. And they're full of envy and murder, to speak of Cain, right? and strife and deceit and maliciousness. They're gossips, they're slanderers, haters of God, that's foundational, Insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Oh, they know the God's righteous decree. They know it intuitively. But those who practice such things deserve to die. Their conscience keeps on. That's why they're so depressed and so frustrated and is always in therapy, right? They did not only do those things, but they, they gave their approval to those who practice them. Now, if you ever want, like, the fine print at the end of a commercial about the current state of our, our world, this is it. Verses 28 through 32. I mean, that's it. Verses 28 through 31, 
is the list of the problems, and at the heart of it is this maliciousness, this covetousness, this evil, this malice, this envy. The world is full of this. There's no restraint, right? The common grace of God in conscience is so worn down in our day that the things that people used to be ashamed of are now, there are parades for them. This is the stuff we used to hide, right? The Brady Bench wouldn't even show a toilet, right, on their show. Ricardo and Lucy slept in two separate beds. Even things that, that we're so used to, right? Conjugal rights and marriage, uh, you know, uh, Marsha Brady going to the bathroom. Those are things we wouldn't even think of, sorry. Well, now you just thought of it. Now, all of a sudden, it's all the, the sin and the perversion and everything else you can see here. Strife and murder, deceit, maliciousness. Now, all that joyfully on display and hearty approval to those who do it if they do it for the right reasons. And so our culture is filled with this. And all I want to say with just a little bit of time I got left, number three, is you need to discern envy's damage to society. Now, I know it's not our job, nor can we successfully fix this fully, but we can certainly be a growing force of a church that lives this out, models this, and whenever we have opportunity, we speak to our society, our culture, and we say, this is a problem. And, and you guys need to understand that what you need is Christ because Christ can deal with the envy underneath the surface. Because envy, maliciousness, covetousness, those are the things you want and can't obtain so you fight and quarrel. If that's true of the church, just think how true it is of the culture in which we live. Every society is prone to this. And I would say this, the symptomatic causes of the kind of sexual perversion that goes on at the end of any empire, whether it's Egypt or Assyria or Babylon or Medo-Persia or Greece or Rome, whatever it is, before the fall and collapse of those world empires, this is ramped up at the end. And the symptomatic kinds of perversion that take place are driven by a covetousness and an envy. As a matter of fact, uh, it was capitalized on by, pardon the pun, <laughs> capitalized on by Marx, Ingalls, Gramsci, all of these, these theorists and leaders, political leaders, philosophers, and ultimately people who led movements, all capitalized on the sin of envy class envy. Look at what's going on in our day, right? Income inequality. We move from, from equality in terms of meaning the ontological worth of individuals and fairness. We move from that to equity now, which is some kind of, of hope for this Marxist fantasy of equal everything. And let's just have a government own and government take over. Whether we're at full-blown Marxism or socialism or the idea at your job of diversity and equity and inclusion, right? The DEI stuff that your HR departments are pushing. All of this ultimately is being fueled by and capitalizing on the sin of envy. You have to see this. The social justice movement. And you can see this throughout scripture, by the way. Nations, for instance, like Israel, fell into all kinds of problems. It is not a good thing. You know, one of the biggest failures, and I know you can think about the sovereignty of God and the plan of God and all that, right? Just like in redemption, you can say, well, yeah, God planned to redeem people. And so Adam and Eve were going to fall, but you're not going to celebrate the fall. Are you? You're not going to say, oh, it's a really good thing. You're not going to applaud when Eve goes and says, yeah, I think God's keeping something from me. And I think God's a meanie and I'm going to do what I want to do. You're not going to go, yeah, it's great because then Christ can die on the cross for me. You're not going to do that. Nor should you ever rejoice in the fact that Israel got a king. No, well, the king was going to come. Christ was going to be the king. And David was going to be the second king. But I didn't think the first king was so good, Saul. But, you know, that was all part of God's plan. It was a part of God's plan. But you understand that here's how God commentated on the, the reality of them clamoring for a king. When Samuel comes and complains, the prophet, God says, they haven't rejected you. I know they're going completely against what I'm telling you to tell them, and they're not doing what you're saying. 
They're rejecting me. And if you read about the reality of them careening into this, this terrible experiment with, with Saul, here's God even through Samuel recounting all the ways that if you're concerned about battles, go back, go back to the hundreds of years in the book of Judges. If the Midianites were arraying on, on the borders of Israel, did, did I not deliver you? He talks about Jeroboam or, or Gideon was his other name. You know, think about you know, all the, 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 the judges. You got 13 judges there and he keeps bringing, any of them there's a problem, we're gonna get an army together. But they said, no, here's what they said repeatedly. We want to be like the other nations. We wanna be like them. We don't have what they have. They get to go around in all their parades and stuff and here they were warned, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Not only is it a rejection of God's plan for the theocracy that God had built, but they wanted a monarchy because everyone else had a monarchy. Huge, and there's huge implications to what's going on in 1 Samuel chapter 12. But you can go back to the book of Numbers. If you want to see envy at work within a, a society, right? think about this. They now got out from underneath of Egypt's leadership. Kind of hard for you to think, well, I should be the Pharaoh. And certainly in a well-established kingdom like that, Ramses II or whoever it was at that particular time, right? there's debate about that. But now that we're out in the wilderness, we've got a lot of people out there, but now that we're out in the wilderness and we got a guy calling all the shots, now all of a sudden I can start to think, well, why that guy? Why does he, what? he's in the 1%. I don't like that. He seems to be the guy who's in charge. I don't, I don't, why is he? Has God only spoken through him? I just want to tell you that throughout the book of Numbers, you see it based on ethnicity. You see it based on power differentials. You see it based on economics, right? Why should we have to eat this manna? Are you the only one that God has ever spoken? Why are you doing this? You shouldn't have that. I should be the decision maker. I should be in charge. I should be the leader. Because you know what, in Egypt, guess what they're eating there? Leeks and onions and melons and all. We don't get to have that. We want something else. We want more. We want the advantage. And here's the deal. We should be the ones making the decisions. The reality of the kinds of rebellion, Korah's rebellion in the book of Numbers, they're coming after the leadership because they want something they don't have. And they are jealous and they are willing to attack Moses because of it. At one point, they attack Moses and Aaron. And then even when it was dealing with the, the Cushite bride of Moses, well, then Aaron and Miriam are attacking Moses. It's just amazing what you see. And God's commentary on this was, the difference is Moses, humble. Not only that, when they came and said, there's people out there prophesying. Do you remember? And they were thinking, you should be jealous and envious like everyone else is jealous and envious. And Moses said, ah, would that all God's people were prophets. It's okay. He was content. He was willing to do whatever God called him to do. If that meant that he was the CEO and in the 1% of society, he was willing to do that. But he did not have selfish ambition in his heart. Matter of fact, God goes great lengths to say he was a humble man. And that's the difference. And even in God choosing David, he wants to say that's not how leaders should be. Should not be so among you, Jesus told his disciples. Different. Society is damaged because of an unbridled envy and jealousy and covetousness that is creating wars among ethnicities. It's creating wars among classes, creating wars among income levels. It, it, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And the only way it stops, at least historically, is when the empire implodes and collapses upon itself. And I'm not here to say, make predictions about you know, Western civilization, but I am here to say, we got a problem, and it's perhaps in our lifetimes, at least, as bad as it's ever been. The envy, the covetousness, the slander, the attacks, the constant friction among individuals. There are distinctions and differing gifts. There are differing blessings. 
There are differing opportunities. Something in the Bible is constantly pushing that and saying, listen, it's like the potter should not have to answer questions from the pot. Why did you make me this way? Paul says, I wish that you were all like myself, just like Moses could have said, I wish they were all prophets. But he says this, each man has his own gift from God. One has this kind of gift, another has another. One, another man has another kind of gift. It's the acceptance of the realities. Doesn't mean you can't go from a poor guy to leading the most profitable corporation in the world. That may happen. You better do it with the right ambition, a righteous ambition. But here's the deal. There's not going to be this constant resentment for those that have more than you, have more opportunity than you, have more open doors than you. God decrees that variety. There are a variety of gifts. I know this is speaking of the church, but think about it in terms of the broader context of everything. But the same spirit, variety of services, same Lord, variety of activities, same God who empowers them all and everyone. That's why in the Protestant Reformation, the focus on the working class, understanding the glory of God can be accomplished in sweeping or mopping or changing a diaper, which was the reality of what they taught in the Protestant work ethic, in the, in the wake of the Protestant Reformation, to remind us that, listen, this kind of, of envy that, that everyone has, that everyone needs a trophy, that everyone needs an Academy Award, that everyone needs an Emmy or, or, or something, right? You gotta have a, a Grammy. Everyone's gotta be the top. You're not the top. Your kids, stop lying to your kids. They can do whatever they want. They can't do whatever they want. They can't be whatever they want. Not every kid can be whatever they want. The reality is God has assigned lots. He's assigned a set of gifts. He's assigned a certain parameters to who we are and who we aren't, and we shouldn't be envying each other and our culture is just a mess. You want a laboratory of watching how this goes. If we don't control this in our church, what the church will look like, just look at the world. We'll be there. And it will be. I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus, I'm a Cephas. And you'll have the kind of infighting. And as Paul said to the Galatians, you will bite and devour one another. And we can't have that. And sometimes looking at the world and discerning the envy's damage to society can help us in this regard. I don't have time for this, but I, but I have a couple minutes. Proverbs 23. Look at the way this is put, and there's so much here, and I wish I could give you commentary on all of it, but verse 1, Proverbs 23, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, now think about that. Here, the average person, here's the word now, you're going to eat with a ruler. In Solomon's day, talk about income differential, huge. Not by the way that collapsing it or compressing it is going to change anything. And there, one pastor who at least somebody's preaching on this topic years ago, preaching on the fact that you can take the differential of distinction, right? You talk about the peasants and the ruling class, even if it were just compressed. In other words, if it's not like some guy makes billions of dollars a year, $10 billion a year, and, and, and another guy, he makes 15000 a year. Let's just say, as he puts it, right? Let's just say everyone makes anywhere between 150000 a year and 120000 a year. Would that end envy? Would it end class warfare? Will it end the 1% kind of frustration? Well, it won't end it. it. won't end it at all. It really won't. It doesn't matter the spectrum of beauty and ugliness. It doesn't matter the, the, the power and, and the weakness. It doesn't matter the wealth and the poverty. No matter the, the distinction, it's that the distinction exists and you don't have everything that you want. You want to be at the top. And I'm just saying that's the underlying driving force of envy. And so, but anyway, the differential in their day, ancient Near East here in the 10th century BC, they would rarely, I mean, think of an average person being called in to eat with a ruler. Imagine the opulence of all of that. And then it says, hey, if you are, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to appetite. Oh, be careful. Really be careful 
about what you do when you're there and ushered into the $10 million mansion. Some guy's got in, in Nellygale or Beverly Hills or, or Bel Air. Be careful, Laguna Beach. Don't, don't, just don't let, your, don't let your heart run wild. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food, particularly those that have acquired this by envy. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist, and yet our whole society is built on that. Everything's built on that. When your eye lights on it, it's gone, and suddenly it sprouts wings, like flying, flying like an eagle toward the heavens. It's like Ecclesiastes 5, right? Anyone who desires wealth will never be satisfied with wealth. Well, yeah, should I never try to get a raise at work? Not saying that, but I'm saying you're going to see the blessing of a raise much differently than the guy who's driven by envy to have the raise because he keeps looking at the people in the better offices, in the better businesses, in the better corporations. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies because there is a man who's stingy that invites you to the dinner and you're going to have your heart go, oh, I'd like to have all this. For he's like one who is inwardly calculating, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. He really doesn't want you to, to consume his stuff. He didn't want you to be looking at him now. He didn't want you showing deference. He can't tell whether your flattery is really just, you know, you cloaking the dagger in your hand to take what he's got. Matter of fact, you're going to end up vomiting up the morsels you've eaten and, and waste your pleasant words. You'll have said things to try and ingratiate yourself to the rich guy, and in reality, it, every man for himself. Because it's a competitive dog-eat-dog, envy-driven, jealousy-driven world. And all I'm telling you is you've got to be careful. Christ is our model. Did Christ care about this stuff? Did Paul have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus? He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped. How does that start? It starts with this. You ought to prefer each other above yourself. You ought to have the mind of Christ by doing what? By considering others as more significant than yourself. How does that work? Well, we'll see it in the counterattack. It works by the way I love them. Because here it is. Here's the preview to part three. Love does not envy. There's just no place for it never envied anybody. Well, that's because he's the CEO of the universe. No, that's not why. He's modeling for us what it is to be a perfect human being. And it's what we aspire for. And God can forgive the guilt of the mess that's done under the surface of the roots of the envy of your life. And I pray that right now we're honest enough with him to say, God, I, I've sinned. An eye-opening message from Pastor Mike Fabares called Envy, the Relational Damage. You're listening to Focal Point, and I'm your host, Dave Drewy. And if you'd like to go back and listen to this message again online, you'll find a link to today's program along with Pastor Mike's message notes from this series at focalpointradio.org. Well, we recently received a special note from a listener that I think you'll agree gets straight to the point that Pastor Mike has been making about why Christians need to recognize sin, repent, and be renewed. Here's what Shelley wrote. The Lord has been using your ministry in my life, shining the light of God's Word on my life, exposing sin, and turning me to repentance and freedom to run the race set before me and encourage others on this journey. And we hope, like Shelley, you've benefited from listening to Pastor Mike deliver the truth of the Bible without watering it down or shying away from hard truths. But we need your help to keep these messages on the air in your community and across the country. So I invite you to give to Focal Point today by calling us at 888-320-5885 or by going online to focalpointradio.org. 
And when you donate, we'll say thanks by sending you a copy of Pastor Mike's brand new book titled Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. You'll discover how to truly rejoice with those who rejoice and gain a deeper capacity for selfless biblical love. And that's something we all need more of. So request your copy of Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had when you donate to Focal Point today. Again, call 888-320-5885 or donate online at focalpointradio.org. And if you're not quite ready to give just yet, we'd still like to hear from you. This month, we have a free gift for listeners who contact Focal Point. It's a CD copy of Pastor Mike's sermon called Envy, A Private But Disruptive Sin. So contact us today at focalpointradio.org. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for a new message from our series on Envy called God's Gracious Solutions. That's coming up Wednesday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. You know, we live in a culture where every point of view demands affirmation. It'd be easy to tell people what they want to hear, but we must teach the Bible accurately, unapologetically, and without compromising and without editing it. God's word is truth. If you want to send me a question, I encourage you to get in touch with us at focalpointradio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.